and welcome to The Fine Print, a National Museum's NI four-part podcast that looks at exhibitions held in the Ulster Museum through the prism of the art of printmaking. My name is Anna Leeching. I am curator of art at the Ulster Museum and one of the collections I'm responsible for is works of art on paper, which includes nearly 2,000 prints. We decided to create this podcast during lockdown as we haven't been able to have our usual talks, tours and events programme that would accompany exhibitions. As a curator, I have really missed these discussions and interactions with visitors and other art professionals, so it has been great to take the time to do that, but in a different format. The following episodes were recorded remotely from our homes. Each episode is a conversation between myself and another artist, writer, curator or creative taking an Ulster Museum exhibition as our theme. The Royal Ulster Academy show is a true highlight on the Belfast art calendar and also an unusual type of exhibition at the Ulster Museum since it shows artworks that are actually for sale. The show includes works by painters, ceramicists, sculptors, photographers, silversmiths, glass artists, filmmakers and print artists. So we couldn't miss out on talking with one of those printers for the podcast. Anusia Sundar Lingham and I talk about her wide-ranging work that covers many media, spaces and subjects, but has a common thread. She also talks about another exhibition featured in the fine print series, which I curated, called A Unique Silence, so check that out too. To look more closely at her work and also the 2020 RUA exhibition, even to purchase some art for yourself, please follow the links in the show notes. Hi Anusia, thanks so much for chatting with me today. I've been really looking forward to recording this episode. As a curator, it's always a treat to speak to practicing artists and specifically for me to get to speak to a print artist as I feel there's no better person to explain the process and technique of printmaking than an actual printmaker. Your work right now is currently included in the Royal Ulster Academy 2020 exhibition held at the Ulster Museum and it's also available to view online. It's a very popular exhibition. I would say the REA is a real highlight for our visitors, for local artists, and of course for our staff. We always really look forward to seeing it. It's also an unusual exhibition for the Ulster Museum as it's the only show in which you'll see that the artworks on display are actually for sale. People can buy what they see in the Ulster Museum art galleries. Another unusual thing about the show is the sheer amount of work included. It really is a floor to ceiling show. There was work by over 100 artists, around half of the work is made that year by the Academy's members, of which you're one, and the other half is work by artists that have been selected through the open submission process. I had the honour this year of being on the selection panel, and this was my first year as a judge, and it was a shame, as, as this being 2020, it was a year of course like no other, and the selection all had to be done exclusively online. We're going to talk about your work in the REA exhibition in a while, But first, I'd like to explore your journey to becoming an artist. It really is a fascinating one. And I know we've spoken personally before about how your childhood in Sri Lanka shaped your work. And we'll go on to explore the specifics of that. But to start us off, would you mind talking a bit about your early years in Sri Lanka and your journey to Belfast? Hi, Anna. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm happy to chat. And uh, I'm originally from Sri Lanka and north of Sri Lanka, which is Jaffna. And uh, then uh, my father and mother was from north, 
and but my father worked in up country where is Nuerelia, where she comes from. So he worked for the British and took over from British when British left. And then, so we kind of had different culture, different Jaffnais, we were speaking in Tamil and in Nuerelia we were speaking a different language. So we, we kind of grew up in two different cultures, it's similar to here as well. And then uh, we, uh, we, we studied there and then kind of we went for GCSEs, we went to Nuerelia to study. And then the war came. So civil war started in 1983. And when it started, we couldn't stay there. So we had to leave Nuerelia and come back to Jaffna. And then I did my A-levels. And after that, uh, I worked with two artists and uh, I, I always wanted to do art. And then got married and came to Belfast and uh, lived in, actually not Belfast, um, came to UK and lived there for six years and then came back to Belfast and settled here. So, so that's kind of me from Sri Lanka to Belfast or Jaffna to Belfast. You said that you've always knew that you always wanted to be an artist. Was that something that you decided as a child or was it something that sort of evolved as you, as you were going through your education and grew up? Did you, when, when you arrived in Belfast, did you know you wanted to be an artist? Oh, yes. Um, I was always creative, very into working with hands, always making things, drawing, painting. My From very, very, very young age, I remember my aunt, I was working with my aunt and she made, she showed me how to make all the craft things. So when we used to go to school, we used to take this little suitcase and I made quite a lot of things, uh, small craft things for an exhibition and took it to, this is like, took it to the school for an exhibition. And this is very, very young. This was probably seven, six, seven, eight. I, I can't remember now, but very young. And after that, my aunt from England, she was living in England, and she sent me a lovely paint, oil paint colors from UK. Uh, so because of civil war, our whole education was disturbed. We were like traveling different places. We were in school. It's kind of nowadays here with COVID, but um, this was civil war. So she sent me up oil paints and I had that oil paints and I was working with that. I made paints, uh, paintings as well. But I made, I made clothes. I was interested in gardening. I was interested in cooking. I always collected materials. And then I was teaching and I was doing weaving and um, I made baskets anything even in the village uh, because in Jaffna we were in a village and there are my our neighbors they will do different type of weavings for roofs and for fencing and different things and I'll go and join I was always interested in creative things and I always collected and you wouldn't believe recently after 35 years they got in touch with me uh, through because of the lockdown, everybody's home and they tried to, they were in WhatsApp and Instagrams and Facebook, um, managed to get hold of me after 35 years. And two of my friends, one is from Australia, one is in Canada at the moment. And we were chatting and they said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm an artist. And 
all these things that I was really explaining to them what I was doing. And then they were like, we can't believe we were so proud of you because you did this before. And even when we went to the school or classes or tuitions, you always did drawings in your book. Half the time you were like drawing, you were not listening to <laughs> what the tutor was telling or teacher was telling. And then I always, uh, and then one of my friends said, you always carried and collected loads of things. And we used to cycle everywhere. So in my bike, I always had a bag full of items, anything, anything, texture, anything different, anything, leaves to everything tree bugs to everything I collected. And I always made things or even birthday presents, my friends, I always made something. So that's, that's so I, I was I was interested in art, in not art as such, more making things. So after my levels, or actually GCSE or O levels, I asked my father, you know, and mother, can I go to India because of the political situation we couldn't study art in Sri Lanka? And in Colombo, where the capital was, there was an art college, but we couldn't go there because I was Tamil and it was English. So we had that problem. So I said, I'll go to India. But I, for my father, we came through political situation, problems, left houses, civil war, and he didn't want us to leave anyway. He was so scared of everything. So he said, no, no, do the A-levels and I'll send you to India. So uh, then when I finished the A-levels, I passed all four subjects, but didn't have the grades to go to university because of the problems. So you have to have all four A's to go to the university, and especially if you're a Tamil. So when I asked him, he said, no, no, do a computer studies at the moment because this is what is good at the moment. So you do this and then I will send you to India to study. So, but at that stage, I thought, no, I'm going to start painting. So I start to work with two artists there. So two well-known artists from Sri Lanka. I will get on the bike, go to their house. My mother arranged with them. Um, so go and sit and paint with them. So I had this paint box, my aunt's hand, so oil box, which is like just one 16 color or something. That's all I had, nothing else, because you couldn't buy any oil paints in Jaffna because of the war. So I uh, took the paint, I'll take the paint and I will sit and work with them. So that's how I kind of learned and started to have a collection of work, artworks. Mm -hmm. So then um, my father at that time, he was in UK, came to see my brother. My brother was in UK. And so my aunt gave me more paints and he came and he saw the work and he said, we'll have an exhibition. So I had a big, massive exhibition in my school. I went to a private school. So my principal knew me very well, or knew our family. So she said, come and have a show there. So they gave me the big hall and we had a big exhibition with big banners. And big, and, but my work wasn't like now at that time because I was doing everything because there is no structure. There is no learning. There is no courses. There is, I didn't know what art means. Art means I thought just doing whatever you wanted to do, which was good. So I kind of um, did landscape, did portraits, did about problem, about works about the problems, civil war, did still lives, everything. It was always meant to be then, really, for you. And I think it's interesting hearing you talk about how you collected things and like you worked with textiles as well. Because when I think of your work, you do work across a lot of different types of media and you work in textiles and you work in paint. But also, I think it'd be fair to say you do primarily 
a lot of people will think of you as a printmaker. And how did you go on to discover printmaking after working in paint and textiles and collecting and doing all these exciting things? I didn't know anything about print as everyone else. You know, when you are young, you do leaf prints or hand prints or footprints, which I do with anybody nowadays in the schools or with my grandson or anybody. So at that time, I didn't know anything about print and I came to UK and uh, first three years I couldn't study because you had to pay for the overseas money even though I was living here. So I thought I'll wait. Uh, for three years, and I did different correspondence studies and everything online at that time. And then um, I was living in Oxford at that time, and I applied to the Oxford Brooks University, got to Brooks University, did my foundation studies, and um, that's where I discovered printmaking. So, so it's a great course. It's only 22 students, and we had great two teachers. Uh, and uh, we, we went to London trips because I didn't know anything about art. I didn't go into galleries. I didn't know or go to museums at that time. I didn't uh, go, uh, didn't see a show. So it was kind of new to me, you know, but I always wanted to do art. So um, uh, started because in foundation studies, you experiment with different materials or techniques so but I enjoyed printmaking they introduced me and I did my first print with again mark making and it's a choreograph print uh, collage things and I love the texture because in our culture it's color and texture is important everywhere you see it's color and texture so I think that's in me so when I started to uh, do the print I really enjoyed and then I did another print uh, and I did another print. so I kind of did few colographs and then they taught me how to do etchings and they taught me how to do dry points so really and I did other things like design and painting and 3D and all different things but I, it's just I was so warm to printmaking. It's just the results of unexpected. Sometimes, you know, you have a plate. You So this is, I'm learning traditional printmaking rather than just the, what I do nowadays is slightly different. So if you put the plate through the printing press, you put the paper, and then it comes through the other side and you lift, you don't know what is going to be there underneath this paper. So you lift the paper and then you see what is there. That is what is it, excited. That's what interests me. And it's that not knowing what is going to be there, even though you know something is going to be there and this is the colors and stuff. But you always get unexpected sort of results. And the texture was always brilliant, especially with colographs. So so I, I really enjoyed So I knew at that time this is what I wanted to do. So then me, we moved to Belfast. And I applied to our college and um, came uh, for the interview. I came with this big portfolio full of prints. And uh, I met all the tutors, David Barker and different tutors, and they they loved the work. So, so yeah, so then I came and then did the printmaking here. And uh, that's it. That's, that's started from there. I love you saying that about the kind of you don't know what you're going to get with printmaking. I think I love talking with, with printmakers like yourself. And I think a lot of people who aren't familiar with printmaking don't realise 
it, you know, the alchemy behind it and the kind of experimentation and this idea of when you make a painting or a drawing, you know, instantly, not obviously things change, but you, you, you can see how the artwork is changing in front of your eyes as you manipulate it. But with printmaking, there is this element of chance that you kind of give it, you give it away and then you have to look at it again after it's gone through the press and you don't know what's going to happen. I think that's what's so exciting about the process of printmaking. And when I've tried, I'm not a very good printmaker, but I do, that's, it's something I really love experimenting with is this idea of you don't know what's going to happen. And as you say, you came to Belfast in 1989 and went to the art college and then you actually became a member of the Belfast Print Workshop. And is it true that you were the first student of the workshop? Mm-hmm. 89, I came to UK. 95, I came to Belfast. Oh. So, and I did my, uh, yeah, foundation. And so, yeah, I started that college uh, or University of Ulster and went into the print department with all my prints from my foundation studies. And David Barker was a little bit impressed, I think. And uh, after like a few months, he said, I want you to go and join the Belfast Print Workshop. And he wrote me a note, I think, um, to uh, give it to James Allen. So Jim from the Belfast Print Workshop. And he said, they don't take any students, it's a professional place there, a professional artist goes and works there. So, but I was a mature student, but I was still early 20s. <laughs> and I thought I was really old then. But, uh, so I went to see them and uh, I don't know what he wrote in the note. note. And uh, they said, yes, you can start. So I joined and I would have, uh, I was going to that college uh, from Monday to Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday, I went to the print workshop. I enjoyed and everybody welcomed there. I have great friends there. I made lovely people. And um, uh, that's where I started to work uh, my own work. So I was kind of studying, you know, in the University of Ulster and doing my own thing at the Buffalo Spring Workshop. So I was the first student and they welcomed me very well. And uh, But I had like all my etching plates from my foundation. So they were a little bit impressed. Oh, she knows what she was doing. <laughs> even though I was like, oh, I only have done few etchings, few colographs, some monoprints, some of dry points. But yeah, I enjoyed, but that gave me a great uh, platform to develop my own ideas, my own ways of working. Even my degree show, I didn't do it in the college, I did in the Buffalo Front Workshop because oh, really? they gave me, yeah, they gave me a room because I was working for the degree show. They gave me a room with the press and I worked by myself and it's like my own studio. And uh, we were at that time in Riddle Hall. Uh, we are not there anymore. We are in town at the moment. So in Cotton Court, uh, Wedding Street building. Uh, so it was great. I did all mono print because I was more interested in painting and printing. So at that time, I what I did was I made my own handmade papers and did an installation. Uh, and all my prints, it wasn't traditional printmaking. It was all mono printings, like more painterly way. So I was painting, more or less, I was painting on a aluminium sheet and then putting my handmade paper through the press to get the image. So I did a big installation piece. So it did it went very well and I enjoyed it. And I'm still a member of the Belfast Print Workshop and I work there. 
but it's just finding time to go and work. But at the moment, no, I'm not working there at all. So I love the idea of you kind of going up from the art college with your note to get into Belfast Print Workshop. It's such a nice story. As you say, you do you work across different media and use lots of different materials and your subject matters have has changed a lot throughout your art over your career. But everything ultimately does connect. And can you explain that bit, that idea of your work connecting through the years? Yeah, approach to my work is open. So my subject, because I said, I already said, you know, I come from a very strong culture and background. And my influence come from where I come from and where I live. So even in our culture, there are loads of stories, there are loads of, um, uh, you know, even, you know, stories and where I come from is the nature and the landscape and where I live here is the landscape and the nature and then the, my identity and then the, the war uh, and my life, everything kind of influenced my work. So I am not the type of person who would sit and do landscape all the time, similar kind of landscape. I can't do that. Otherwise, I would work in an office and do different work. <laughs> and I just I just can't do it. I just have to be creative. I have to do different things. But all my work connects, even though my subject matter changes time to time. And my subject matter changes to, to suit the galleries or to the exhibition. And... Um, you know, it depends on what I'm doing at the time. If I, for example, if I apply for a, a special competition or something, like recently I did a Linen Biennale project. So I brought my experiences, my cultural values, and then I used the linen from here and I looked at the linen industry. So, so that is kind of, I worked for a title you know, the subject matter was different. But my own work is I always, when I started from our college, I finished art college and started to work, always I did landscape and figurative. Those are the two I wanted to keep it. So I wanted, I didn't want to be named like she's a figurative artist or a landscape artist. So I did both And my landscape, my figurative work was earlier stage was more traditional, more like people sitting uh, in the village and sitting and talking, have a conversation, doing everyday lives because I kind of grew up with that. So I wanted to do something about that. But then I did some work with children um, and we made dresses and silhouettes and different things. So then I kind of picked um, from that and my figurative work kind of changed to more sort of images of like people, but feminist images like, you know, female images like um, dresses and different things. So I kind of start to use that in an abstract way. But then my landscape is about, again, influenced by Sri Lanka nature and trees and I use bamboos and I use the colors from here in Northern Ireland more because I did a series of blue works and everybody said why blue and I said I, I don't know it's probably the cold and damp <laughs> I don't know it's, it's just it's there it just comes and um, then 
it, it, so my work changes, but everything connects to everything. Is the medium because again I use range of medium, and I, I do printmaking, three dimensional work. I use metal, I use paper, I use fabric, textiles. I I kind of I love anything with texture and color. If you look at all my work in a room, then you will understand it connects. Even though it doesn't, if you see my Instagram page, you know you will see. Oh, one day it's like a landscape, another day it's a figurative work. But if you look at all together, it connects somewhere. It's really lovely to think that. Yeah, it's it's, it's your well, your upbringing in Sri Lanka is this thread that is always throughout your work. And even thinking of that with your landscapes, like there's there's certain images you do use in different media and different ways. But I'm thinking of the banyan tree comes up quite a lot in your work. And that's that's something you go back to. I think it was in your catalogue. You wrote really lovely, a lovely sentence about the banyan tree with its branches gravitating, gravitating downwards. The image invoked the need to be grounded. And it was such a nice feeling of you kind of grounding your work in, in your past. Yeah, that exhibition, that, that was in the Crescent Art Centre. And I had a lovely show there. With uh, I had some funding through Arts Council, Ethnic Minority Fund. And uh, I used that to produce a kind of publication. And I had two people wrote for that publication. One is uh, Derek Poole and Mario Donahue. And in that exhibition, it, uh, quite a lot of things came together. Uh, all my work, I had installation, and that was influenced by the bunion tree, and then I had bamboos, which was influenced by uh, Panmara coconut trees. And in the middle of the gallery, I had loads of work influenced by the Civil War and, and the figurative work and some of the abstract landscape as well. So the bunion tree was about, uh, it's about life. So it's, it's, I really, because I grew up with those trees. In our village, we had two big trees. And somebody told me, because I haven't been to Sri Lanka for 20, no, how many years? 27 years, 30? No, oh, so I can't even remember anymore. And um, uh, so that, there's a tree to our lane way. And somebody told me that tree is now massive. So I can't wait to go and see. And then we had another tree behind our temple as well. Um, so we have seen, and I love the roots coming down. So it's like this big, massive tree grows up and then the roots comes down and then it is re-roots and then it grows back. So it's like a life. It's like, you know, you, you, you grow up and then you disappear and you go back to the ground and then you grow back again. So it's a life cycle as well. So I created this um, textile piece with fabric uh, or threads and I used sari fabric. So I cut some uh, old saris from my aunt, my mom's, my grandmother's um, and used that like a root. It was a wonderful show because it really encapsulated all of your ways of working. And I know it's a shame because you were hoping to get back to Sri Lanka this year. And obviously COVID's got in the way of that. So that's fingers crossed. You get back, you get back soon and you get to see how big the tree is now. I can't wait to see pictures. For a lot of people listening, they may not be aware of all the many hats artists wear. Um, so it's obviously you've talked about your, your making and working in the studio and working in Belfast Print Workshop and making work to display in exhibitions and galleries. But you also do so much more than that. You work very broadly. I'm just thinking you've worked with us in the museum and thinking of that amazing piece you made in correspondence to the Poppies installation a few years ago. 
but you also work with schools and you've even worked with hospitals. So could you tell us a bit more about sort of what that involves and, and all these many hats that you wear, Anisha? I, um, yes, after um, my degree show, uh, so when it was on, um, lots of galleries and art centre people came and saw the show. So I was invited to go and work in different places. One is Island Art Centre, the other place is Antrim Clotworthy, and then Ormabas Gallery, which doesn't exist anymore. So um, at that time, Ormabas Gallery, Leslie Devlin was there, and she came and asked me, and she said, would you come and work with us? And she gave me a big, massive project, and that was my first... I was like, right, okay. But I did, um, in when I was in Sri Lanka, after my A-levels, when I, I had the show, I was teaching for a while, about six months I was teaching there. So I had only that experience of working with children. So she asked me to come, and in the meantime, Christina Hudson from Island Art Centre also asked me to come and work, and, and she asked me for a show as well. So I started to do the work. So I kind of enjoyed working with them and um, learned quite a lot. Uh, it was massive project, but since then, from that after those two teaching, then I started to get more work from um, schools. And then Arts Council got in touch with me and said, will you be in our artist in residence or artist uh, working in schools? So I said, okay. So start work. So I started to travel. I wasn't driving at that time. So I learned to drive, got the car, start to travel, go to schools, different schools and start to work. So start to enjoy. And that's kind of my more paid work. So I'll work there. And then Saturday and Sundays, I'll go to the Belfast Print Workshop and do my prints. Uh, and I work with babies, uh, special needs, everybody, everything. And I enjoyed and I learn uh, from them and I give what I have. And I am very passionate about working with children and everybody and to see, you know, you can give something and to see that they are getting something and then their confident increases. And um, I have done really interesting some special projects with Ulster Museum and hospital. I did a research project with Beverly there at Matter Hospital and I worked with mental health. Uh, and to see that they are gaining something and um, it gives you quite a lot of, it rewards you. But I did a lovely project in Alstom Museum with babies and the mums came and it was completely chaos, completely mad, but they loved it. So we, we I took turmeric to, our, they were all covered in colour and everything. So yeah, I enjoy working with, yeah, very busy life. Yeah, very busy life. It's really, and it's, and it's a big contrast as well when I think about your studio work where you're probably working on your own and working on your own pieces and then you get to go out and meet all these people and have all these exciting experiences. So you do, sounds like you keep yourself very busy. The reason I started this interview, we talked about the Royal Ulster Academy show and the reason we're talking today is because you're in the current REA exhibition in the Ulster Museum. And your work in the show is quite interesting because it is a collage and a print but you haven't actually listed it as a print in the catalogue. And can you explain Can you explain why you haven't done that? Yeah, the work, uh, Pulveli, that piece was done COVID time. So I was here. As I said earlier, you know, I had loads of uh, materials. I collected loads of landscape, you know, leaves and grasses and fibres and everything. I had collected items. So what I did was... Um, 
I have to kind of rethink how I work because my printing press was very small in my studio here. But uh, uh, when I go to the Buffer Spring Workshop, I can do larger pieces. My works vary in sizes. It's very small in a box or very small to huge installations. You can see it on my website or the Instagram page. So and I don't, I can't control myself to doing this, you know, small pieces or whatever, or same size. So I had to kind of rethink, how can I make it, you know, if I do small prints, how am I going to make it bigger? Because I don't like to do small prints. You know, I need to think different ways of working. So for the show, online show, what I did was I made tiny prints and I collaged together. And then I made kind of reasonable size work and then I stitched together. So all my influence from what I did before all came together. So for the IUA, I, uh, I had a frame and I said, I wanted to do a piece for this and I wanted to do a new piece and I wanted to do a lockdown piece. So what can I do? So I found these uh, things um, under my board and I went, right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do nature. I, because we have been walking, we have been seeing things and uh, it's kind of peaceful as well. So the image came from all the things that I have collected and I started to print and I had started to print in lovely Japanese papers. And then I was thinking, what can I do? But I still want to do a painting. So then I collaged. But my prints are like paintings. I don't do any more traditional prints because uh, like etching, I do love etching. I love dry point. I love dry point. I love colographs, but colographs are hard on my hands as well. So uh, I kind of do quite a little monoprints, which are kind of painterly anyway. That's my degree show. So I'm going back. I did this uh, prints, which is like a mono prints and painterly. And then I thought, right, I will collage this. So I got a canvas, I had the canvas, so I was trying to use the materials that I, ha I had. So I collaged and then I started to paint. So it became, so even the print was like a paint, oil on paper. So, and then the painting was oil on canvas. So oil on paper and slash canvas. So it's kind of painting. So it went into a painting. So that is a story with that piece. But if you see that piece, there's a light, there's one in the middle, there is a grass and that has a light. So it's to do with the lockdown situation. And I want to do a white painting, but it has a little bit of gray and blues and different things. But there is one, one grass, big long grass is the white. So that's a light end of the day, you know, that's like kind of, yeah. Um, and that that's a lovely thought about the idea of the, yeah, the light at the end of it all after such a long period of kind of everybody yeah, being in this lockdown. Um, and obviously people can see this work in, in the Royal Ulster Academy exhibition at the Ulster Museum, which is also online if anybody wants to experience the full exhibition on the website. And you can also purchase work online from the REA this year, which is really exciting. And they also have the um, own art scheme, which is really important to people to be aware of because it's a chance to be able to buy work by local artists and sort of pay it in installments over time but the artists are able to get the money up front which is a really good scheme 
So as I said, people can see your work there, but where else? You've mentioned your Instagram a bit as well today. So where else can people see your work if they want to explore it more? Uh, yes, they have seen my in my Instagram page, which is Anisha Artist. And then my website is, I'm still building it. You have no idea. Because when you do, I don't like to do this technology things, you know, I'm not good. And um, so that's my website, Anisha Artist, Anisha-Artist.co.uk. And then, uh, oh no, Anisha-Artist.co.uk. And then the Belfast Print Workshop. And then QSS, Queen Street Studios. And five, Gallery 545 online. Great. So people can explore your work from at home and also go in and see you in the Austrian Museum. And hopefully soon see you again in shows whenever things start opening up again. I'm just going to finish with a difficult question that I know I warned you about and you didn't want to answer, but I'm going to ask you, do you have a favourite work by another artist? Like whenever the RUA is on that you kind of, you know, you run to see what they've been doing or what they've been up to over the over the past year, what their most recent work is. But also if that's too difficult to answer and, and too political to answer, <laughs> do you have a favourite work in the Austrian Museum collection? Like you've worked with the museum for so long and you, you've exhibited in the museum for so long. Do you have a favourite artist or piece in the in the, in the Austrian Museum that, that, that you love? Yeah, the RUA exhibition, yes. They have 264 pieces. <laughs> so it's quite a lot to pick one. If it's, you know, something like 10 and you pick one, you know, you can say, yes, my favourite is that. Because they have... There are loads of lovely pieces. There are textiles, painting, 3D, sculptures, ceramics. It's, it's prints. There are loads. And I think it's very hard to pick. Yeah. Oh, I probably I should say it's my work. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> but no, it's very hard to pick because there are every piece got something unique about. Uh, you know, there are loads. Of, and I would actually advise everybody to go and view and they have it online show, virtual show as well. So definitely once it's open, go and see. Otherwise, go into uh, the virtual show because it's a great virtual show at the moment on. Um, so definitely go and see. But the collection, yeah, in collection, there are loads of lovely artworks. But I, I was there when the IUA opened the same day. I went to see the show and it was a great show. But then I quickly went to see another exhibition there at the moment. It's called A Unique Silence, Rembrandt's Etchings. And they had lovely other people's work as well. And it's works on paper and it's beautiful exhibition. And lovely works with uh, engravings and dry points and etchings. And there are, there are small works but very strong. And I love the way uh, the lines, the marks, and uh, the, the strength of the print and the light uh, came through in the work. So I would say at the moment, just definitely if somebody is going to see any of the shows, definitely go and see that as well. And it's a great show. But in their collection, there are loads of pieces. Has You know, every time it depends on your mood, you go and see this or that. But uh, it is a great museum and they do quite a lot of lovely things. So, yeah. There's too much to choose from. People are going to think I've bribed you, Anisha, because um, the Unique Silence is my exhibition. So people are going to think I've made you. <laughs> but it's very nice. I'll take the compliment. It's good. And it's also lovely to hear a printmaker come and enjoy a print, ex you know, a print show because always when I'm curating print shows, I'm aware that there's people who are practicing the techniques that we're putting on the wall. So it's always wonderful to hear that you 
are getting out of it the same as a visitor who might not know anything about print. So I'm glad you enjoyed it and that you're sending people to see it in the museum as well. So thank you very much today for talking to me, Anisha. It was really, it was wonderful. We've we've chatted before about your work, but it's wonderful to be able to put it all together in this kind of one story and, and to share your work with people and also sort of highlight the Royal Ulster Academy show. So people definitely have to go along and see that while they can. And as you say, there's a really good online exhibition as well. Thank you, Anna. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Anu for taking the time to chat with us about her practice and the REA exhibition, which celebrated its 139th year in 2020. The next podcast in the series is an interview with a curator from the Cordauld in London. Dr Rachel Sloan and I talked about the prints on display in Renoir and the New Era, our partnership exhibition as part of the Cordauld National Partners Programme, which is also part of the Cordauld Connects Transformation Project. Until then, it's goodbye from me. The Fine Print Podcast was produced as part of the Ulster Museum Exhibition Programme. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review to help like-minded people discover it for themselves. For more information on the exhibitions mentioned in the series and wider Ulster Museum activity, please visit our website, nmni.com or follow us on social media.